Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Littlejohn and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, all right, it is that time already. It's the best Tuesday you've had all week, and it's your favorite show you've heard all day, The True Wealth Show. <sighs> I know. Good job. Yay, yay. Oh, sorry. How, where's the crowd cheer button, right? We, it... I know. We need the buttons full of the silly <laughs> noises that we can play, and it's the show would become infinitely, well, more obnoxious. So <laughs> thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, David Littlejohn. Joining me in studio is Katie Shook. And today we have brought in the ringer. We're going to play a special game today. It's called Ask the Agent. Okay? Uh, or really, how about just Ask the Insurance Guy. We have brought... Scott Littlejohn in studio. No, really. Okay, there's a relationship. Uh, what can I say? Like, I blame my parents. So. <laughs> well, yeah. thank you for having me. Yes, I, as you said, Scott Littlejohn, the uh, younger and apparently better looking brother. So. And more talented, smarter. I yes. Just start yes. whacking them up. I'll take it all. I'll exactly. It. So, so <laughs> thanks, thanks for making the love. journey down to, to visit today. Join us on the True Wealth Program. Of course, of course. So I really do want to take the opportunity we're going to kind of we're going to showcase you a little bit today and uh, katie and i have prepared in advance questions we forgot to prepare but (laughs) the idea will be that uh, we want to ask you questions and so you know we talk finance a lot but one of the key components to a healthy financial plan is risk management or insurance right well so but that can be part part of risk of risk management right because it, to the investment landscape, risk means, hey, how much upside and downside trade-off am I making when I select investments? Okay, like, hey, Bitcoin, lots of upside, <laughs> right? And it never goes yeah. down ever. What the heck? Until not, it does. Like, not according please. to my app, it doesn't. Forty-eight thousand dollars for coin. So, and we'll, you know, we may talk about. Is that where it is now? No well, joke. It, it went up it ten thousand almost yesterday. No. It, well, here's the thing: it's swinging all over the board. I, yeah. I haven't seen what it was today yet, but I know when I looked at it this morning, it had been as high as forty-eight thousand and as low as forty-three thousand. That's crap. a ten percent intraday swing. Okay, these are trader assets now. So it says it's at forty six thousand two ten. There you go. It hit a high last night because I have, I because you track it. I've been tracking this stuff. It hit forty eight. Uh, Forty-seven, eight, ninety-nine. So, did high. you do the toe dip? Did you like throw you know, a little bit into Bitcoin and say where it goes? To do it, I, I have a buddy who did find his password to his coin account from years ago, <laughs> and he has a couple of coins in there. Ooh, um, good lucky day. day for him. Good day. Um, but no, I am not the lucky friend who found a password or had the courage to, or the whatever you foresight, call it. good yeah, luck, whatever it, it would be. So. I'm and not your Huckleberry. So that's the thing. So so that's it's funny because we're talking. That's like a lottery to me almost. And we could have uh, we could talk more about Bitcoin, but I'm not. I don't care today, right? Bit, but the purpose was more about. So that's that's investment risk, right? right? And it's is it an alternative asset class? Will it become legitimized as a currency? Will it be something that we can somehow integrate in the system? And I continue to say wild card because how do you tax it? And the government is not going to let you play for free. And so, those are all questions for a different show because correct. that's not what we were going to talk but, about today. But in a healthy financial plan. Yes. Right? So you're managing the investment risk, but one of the things that we talk with all of our clients about is what are the things that throw the plan out of whack? Right? Yeah. And those are the risks, okay? So there are some and you know what you do with risks? There's one of three things that you can do with risk. I love telling this joke, right? Right. You can manage it, you can transfer it, or you can ignore it. 
which is really just managing it badly. <laughs> so you could either manage it or transfer it. Right. Okay. That's that's your option. Right. Yeah. Head in the sand. Yeah. Still yeah, the counts. Ostr- yeah. The ostrich, the ostrich technique. Much right. Like my three-year-old, just hands over face means that you are you can't see him. Yeah. Right? I, look, clearly the problem was well. no longer there. So uh, it, it's sort of like the. Uh, teenage horror movie solution i know let's run upstairs into a closet like that's not gonna work so so we're gonna be smarter about this well we talk finance a lot we talk risk management about investments but i want to talk about all the stuff that's falls into a different category this is specifically stuff that our firm little john financial isn't even licensed to deal with now we are allowed to talk about it as planners but we don't actually deal in this marketplace. And Scott, you do. Now, I know, poor Scott, I just took his thunder because you pointed to him and then I stole it. Um, Why is it something that we choose not to do at Little John Financial? Well, for one, it's hard to be an expert in everything. Okay, and we're talking about property and casualty. That's that's it. I was gonna talk specifically around property and casualty insurance because it's a different part of the equation. We do work with investors on life insurance, long-term care insurance, and disability income insurance. Those are all, they fall under the life and health licensure. Okay. Okay. But property and casualty is an entirely separate licensure under the state of Oregon. Right. And so- And the uh, reason we sell what we do is because that can unretire you or rob your retirement. So those two kind of go hand in hand. And here's the other. Those are not compulsory in many cases. There are times when property and casualty is a requirement. If you want to drive in this state, legally, you will have insurance. If you want to have a home with a loan on it anywhere, you will have insurance. Right. Right? So you don't have to have life insurance. But I want to talk a little bit today. Now, Now, Scott, you are licensed in multi, like pretty much all insurance lines that I'm aware of, right? Yeah, I've, I've got pretty much license to do it all. Okay, so, and and what's fun, uh, how long have you been doing this now? Ugh. Oh, like 15 it's, years? Yeah, 13, 14 years, something Okay, like so that. it's it's long enough that you qualify as expert. Yeah, I'm, kind of, I'm pretty much a rookie, but I'm decent, you know. Okay, okay. I mean, like, like rookie I, in NFL terms would mean already retired with this. I'm not years. Tom Brady, <laughs> but I'm close, you know. Well, so. I was going to say, if you have a decade under your belt, I don't think rookie even applies to because well, I think of rookie I like. I got the joke. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Not a it's rookie. A no, it's a sports analogy. And honestly, in insurance, especially property casualty, experience matters. Big uh, time. Oh, yeah. you know, you don't know until you know. Or you go through those experiences of a, of a home loss with a fire or smoke damage or an auto wreck or a theft. And having someone who's seen those things already happen can be a really huge benefit to you. So not all agents or brokers are the same. Right. So first of all, thank you for bringing this question up. I want to ask... Uh, like a definition thing. Uh, what's so there's agent and there's broker. They're two different things. Can you help our listeners understand who are they hiring? Yeah, um, I'll kind of try to simplify. And, and can you also just to add a what if they're doing something online? Like, okay. like so, do you, person or not? What's their role? Are they online? What does it look like? What does that mean to people when they're buying, let's say, car insurance? That was like 18 questions. Well, let's see if we can bundle (laughs) it into the simple answer. Um, Essentially, 
you know, most licensed producers, and if you're a licensed insurance uh, either broker, agent or broker, you're considered a producer, um, you're either a, a broker is someone who can represent a multitude of companies and offer you a plethora of choices, usually from a number of different insurance companies, whereas an agent is typically beholden to a certain company, you know, like a State Farm or a Farmers or Allstate. Those agents work with that company directly, and they just represent products from a, an individual company. Um, there's pros and cons to both, um, but as far as the capacity that I work in, I do both. I'm actually a agent on my home auto um, home auto side of things with those policies, but I'm a broker as far as health and Medicare insurance goes because I represent most all of the Oregon health insurance and Medicare carriers in the state. So I want to expand on this for a second too because these are subtle things that actually have legal significance. For example, an agent in many cases can have something called implied authority. So as an example, let's say that uh, I had just bought a car and I want to drive away from the lot, but I haven't yet come in and done paperwork and everything. In theory, you could represent the car insurance company and bind insurance on my behalf, if, if I understand correctly. Yeah, that's what it's called when you actually do start coverage on something. It's called binding. Um, and the authority to bind something for an agent is much easier to use. By state law, you have a 36-hour verbal binding that an agent can give you on, say, a car or a motorized vehicle of sorts. Right, because the agent is, in this case, an actual representative of the company. So it's like an extension. So I'm going to use you as an example mm -hmm. with farmers. If I wanted to purchase a new vehicle and I contacted you and said, hey, Scott, I'm purchasing this new vehicle. Can you get this bound so that I can drive off the lot with it? And I would say, yeah, it's Saturday. Why don't we talk on Monday? I'll give you a verbal binding right now to go ahead and drive off the lot if they'll let you go. Um, it, a lot of it depends on the car lot. If they'll right, if they'll, how they'll um, do it. But yes, I have the authority to do that as a brokered, as, as, as a an agent, agent, you know, a brokered agent with that company. So as an appointed agent, I should say. Right. Now, the same, let's, let's sort of take that same concept though, and let's say I wanted to come and buy health insurance from you. How does that, now health insurance is probably its own animal, uh, but let's say I wanted to buy health insurance from you. I couldn't do the same thing. Right, you can't just can't say just you're say, covered, hey, right? You're covered, or you're on the way to the hospital. Let's give you a verbal binding right now, <laughs> and you can go ahead and use that. Right, because you don't represent I don't have the, the health company representation exactly. Yeah, you're, you're not directly connected. You're a actually... multitude of co carriers as opposed to one that's given me authority. Uh, on the on the agent side, you have authority from one company. On the bind the broker side, you represent enough companies to where none gives you explicit authority to just bind coverage. Right, and if we were again, some of the the subtlety is the broker in a sense represents the customer. They're the shopping agent, like a real estate broker doesn't represent necessarily the other party. Right, they represent the person that they're helping locate property. Well, that's the same. Th when you're a broker for an insurance product is you're helping locate an appropriate solution. And then you have to go through the process of applying and get accepted by that third party. So you can't bind them if you're not representing the third party, you're just representing the person that you're trying to connect the with the solution. But the reason you would use a broker is a to help you shop for the best deal. Oh, yeah, no, the broker has a very important and role. And they're, they're the person that knows 
the industry, right? So they're asking the questions that you may not know to ask as a consumer. Well, they're, they're both great things because let's say uh, you're working with an agent and they have, you know, like I could only write a, a car policy through farmer's insurance. You might be able to find a less expensive coverage or, a car, you know, carrier, insurance carrier than farmers. But I, as an agent, I wouldn't have the authority to do that on that particular line of business. But if you're a contractor and the, the agent doesn't have access to that, you know, if you're a broker, you can look at a number of different companies that do contracting insurance and say, okay, this is going to be the best one for you. And so there's, there's good and bad to all because sometimes a broker will get beat by an agent because they have a, a better company that offers a better product that they're specifically good at. Um, but, you know, like I said, there's, there's pros and cons to both. Well, and I've seen it where sometimes with an agent, if you have multiple lines of insurance, the amount of discount they can give you because of the multiple lines also helps too. That's a good so, one. Yeah, so I'll, that's a great great point to bring up i want to talk but we're let's let's do this let's grab a break okay so when we can we'll come back on the flip side of this and what we're going to do is we're going to uh look at uh well we'll talk bundling well yeah we'll talk about bundling pricing you know where how do you get the best deals and so forth because i also want to talk about what if what if you're doing stuff online but we got to grab our break first so stick around we'll be right back this is dave little john katie shuck and scott Littlejohn. yeah true wealth on news radio 1240 kqen Hey gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Katie Shook. Scott Littlejohn. And today we're asking the insurance guy. Scott, thanks for making the journey. I know that uh, you have been doing this now for a long time. Over a decade. That's you know, that's impressive, by the way, and that's kind of nice right. to know. Stick Full around. disclosure, Stick Scott around. and I are related. He is the smarter, better looking, and more talented brother. We've been over this. It's okay. It's on the record. <laughs> so what I want to talk about, so we're talking about insurance today, and if you're just joining us, don't forget to hit up the podcast. You can catch it at uh, littlejohnfs.com tomorrow. It'll be posted after the show, so you can get all the goods, because we've just been talking about the difference between agents and brokers, and what does that mean to you as a consumer? But here's the question I have. So, Scott, how do people, like, what are some of the tricks to get adequate coverage and save money do you need a broker agent what do you need how do you do it you know um you know agents when you hear about bundling discounts those kind of things that what that uh, so what is that what does so that mean let's say you're going to put your car insurance and your home insurance and your boat insurance and get an umbrella policy all those things together or like like your whole all your stuff package yeah they're okay. going to cover all of your things in what's called personal lines insurance so your personal things uh, so not you know, business. Not business insurance, but your personal stuff. So everybody's okay. got to have car insurance if you have a car, right? Does it count with life? It counts with life, too. If you write your life insurance company with that same company, ah. um, then you get a, usually get a discount for that. Because what they're doing is they're taking your risk and spreading it out over a number of policies. The more of your business that that company has, the more they can justify bundling discounts in there because they're getting a larger premium chunk. But they're also covering you across more, more bases. You, so you, I... I wanted to clarify that really quick. Sorry. So if you think about insurance, right, like the chances of like your car being broken into or stolen and your house catching on fire in the same day are not likely. <laughs> well, let's hope that doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. Now, not saying that the car isn't in the garage necessarily, but I'm just saying that like, you know, your car is usually not going to get stolen and your house 
burn down in the same day. And if it does, we really need to talk about yeah, where you live. Sad day. <laughs> I had one client that he did get two comp claims on his car on a single day one time. I felt pretty bad. For that him. is pretty brutal. It was uh, broken window and hit a deer two different times of the day. <laughs> um, so that was just a bad those things day. Happen. Um, but uh, as far as the bundling goes and the discounts and everything applies, those apply under an agency type scenario. Um, where you put it all together into one place. Yeah, so I I just want our listeners to understand this. How do insurance companies figure out how much to charge in the first place? Um, the biggest, honestly, I do this is, I don't know, secret or not, but the biggest discount that applies to your actual overall premium is your credit history. Um, your credit is 62% of the rate. What? Um, yeah, it's huge. It's more than wow. even having an accident or a ticket is... In Oregon, by law, you can't do this in California or in Massachusetts because there's a law against using credit is in correlation to insurance rating. But what they found is that claims history, in conjunction with credit rating, the two go hand in hand. They this go is, right is a, we call this correlation, by the way. So when when two things are really closely related, they're correlated. Now they may not be actually correlated because of a cause, because causation and correlation aren't the same thing. But it's enough that insurance companies have noticed. Yeah, I mean, insurance companies look at the large numbers. They don't just look at those individual cases. They'll take all of these claims, put them into one, and that's when the numbers start to pan out, and you see that they do go in correlation uh, in in the direction together. And now, it's, it's not really fair, but that's what they've used as far as, uh, I mean, it, I guess it depends on your idea of fair, but that's the biggest discount that goes into your insurance is your overall credit history. Right. Well, they're looking at it as decision-making. A little bit. It's it's an indicator. I think um, it's more of it's. It, it just does relate to yeah. the claims experience. I mean that that's just it's a truism that they found is true enough that it it rationalizes pricing. I was talking slightly different price, yeah. by the way, because you know an insurance company is spreading risk out over lots of people, right? So like not everybody crashes their car at the same time, usually. So so that you can insure by. You know, measuring that risk and then getting a little bit of money from everybody to kind of spread the spread it around, right? Yeah, I mean, the whole thing started. You know, Lloyd's of London, the original insurance company, started with carrying goods over from, you know, England and Europe to the New World, and the idea was let's all kick down a little bit because if the seas get seas get rough and we lose someone else, someone's cargo, we can pay them back because everyone kicked in just a little bit, and they'll give the person who lost their load to make sure the entire ship made it. They'll make them whole, and so. That idea of insurance is that everybody kicks into the pool so that when one person has a rough day, there's enough in the pool that everybody kicked into where when it's their turn that it goes wrong, that that pool can make them float again. Now, what happens when whole cities, like when Paradise went so under in a fire? Tough. Like just the, like these recent fires, like we had. Yeah. Um, so what happens the, when whole sections of a state? So it depends on how the insurance company is going to look at it. So with my insurance company, I, I work you know for Farmers Insurance. We actually paid out. Uh, policy value up front to a client because this is one thing I go over with all my clients to start with is in the event of a claim um, you need to know how it's going to work and it's usually half now half when the entire project is done and that can leave you in a position where if you take half the money up front which is called the actual cash value or the diminished value of your property and use it to help build your house and you get halfway done the insurance company can't sign off on a finished product on your home until they have a finished product 
So that's why you use a lot of these restoration companies, you know, your serve pros, service masters and such that have the financial solvency to make it through the entire load of the build, knowing that they're going to get paid at the end. Ah. With a car, yeah, you can so look at the blue book. they're using their credit line, yeah, basically. You look at the blue book on a car and you say it's worth this much with this mileage, boom, there you go. You're paid out. You're made full. You're fully indemnified is the term on that. But with a home, homes are all individually different. And you have to build it back at 4001 Potter Street or wherever the heck that might be. That home, they're going to give you the diminished yeah. value. Sorry, whoever you down. are, that place, your <laughs> house just burned down, gonna, I yeah, guess. Sorry about the uh, Potter Street apartments. Um, but, uh, and they're going to give you the remainder when they have a finished product. And so what, what farmers did, I can attest to this, is these fires that happen, when enough homes go down, the reason to build back there was because you had neighbors. It wasn't an individual cause. And so the administrative cost that go into actually going through the valuation process and taking someone to the end and paying it out up front and, and formalizing what those costs are to diminish the value versus just paying it out in general with that many losses, they just started paying out policy limits to people so they could start over somewhere else, which is not typical. Um, but in a large fire, you know, an individual fire case, you need to be ready for half now, half when it's done. Yeah, and that's the idea. Some of this that is unique to you. Now, Farmers, of course, insures people nationwide. Yeah, they're in right? so, 38 they're, states or something. Yeah, so it's so it's all over the place. And so they're not the, – the the fires here in Oregon didn't necessarily affect Kansas, right? So, however, all of the premiums for everybody can be affected mm-hmm. next year when they say, sorry, people in Kansas, we had a lot of fires in Oregon. Your homeowners' all, costs are going to go up. All those California fires that have happened over the last five years, uh-huh. we're paying for that up here when you see your home and price home price insurance go up. It's because the actuarial costs take a couple years to really catch up. And that's when you see your premiums go up for no reason at all. You didn't do anything but to keep the entire pool solvent enough to pay these claims that they're on the hooks for, possibly. You have to be able, you have to raise premium at some point if there's that many losses. So I have a question. I want to go back because you were talking about being made whole and about your home price. And uh, my question was, you know, what about if you bought your home 10 years ago? And how do I know how much it's actually going to take me to build back? That's a, that's a great question, and that's why you should be looking at that from time to time with your agent or your broker, whomever that may be. Um, and going there, they use reconstruction cost uh, software to usually do that based on a square foot price and like homes with or in the area. Uh, but things change. I mean, in construction costs has just gone through the roof. And I know that with the policy that I write, it just says guaranteed replacement cost on it. Um, they use things called extended replacement costs where they'll pay 125, 150% of what that dwelling structure amount is. But if it says guaranteed replacement cost, even if the price of the house doubled, they need to build you the house that says was on the policy based on square footage and style type within those type of limits. Um, so it helps to have the right wording on your policy and have a quality policy at the same time. Right. So <laughs> I, I'm curious, can you even do that online? Oh, good luck. You know, the, <laughs> online, that's so, online uh, equals gonna, on I'm your gonna, own. I will yeah. totally uh, interrupt you on this one. I'm going to come up. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk. I, I want to I find out about how do we do the like the DIY online, like what are the gotchas, all that. But but let's take this break first. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. And Scott Littlejohn. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Hey gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. 
Dave Littlejohn in studio with Katie Shuck and Scott Littlejohn. So we're talking insurance today. Remember, you can catch the podcast and get caught up at littlejohnfs.com. It goes on things like phones and other devices that you can listen on. Or you can listen live like you are right now, either on our radio station or maybe online. Right, we got some people online. Cool. <laughs> uh, I was thinking we could have done call-ins, but not yet. Well, you were just talking about online. I think we should go that direction. Yeah. Well, I think the next thing is like we'll go. You know, everybody, show of hands, except drivers. How many people think we should live stream this thing? Sure. Right, and we'll just do. We'll turn the cameras on. It'll be great. There's six hands up in here. This is you you keep it. going all about the cameras, and I'm like, man, you realize it's like four o'clock in the afternoon. Like this makeup has been on since six o'clock this morning. It is not pretty. I have to tell you, my There's... makeup has also been on since six this morning, and yep. Yeah. So I'm all for. Hey, we're all about authenticity. Live streaming. Here. <laughs> yeah, makeup. Authenticity. authenticity okay everybody's yearning for don't it. worry what we'll do is did we'll i mention just... gym makeup at six o'clock this morning I'm gonna, I, I think <laughs> what we're gonna it's do getting is better it's like they're like why is katie always so shadowy like no reason <laughs> she's just hiding in them it's okay <laughs> like contours <laughs> no, exactly. oh i love that you even brought that up that's awesome thank you makeup i love it that sounds like a dad of girls right there I right has a wife and some girls hanging around fella, you know <laughs> Okay. I got everything I hope for. Okay, so huh. we were talking about insurance. Well, so yeah. I want to talk about, so we've talked about agents and brokers, and these are people that you can call for help, but I see commercials all the time or hear them and they say, call to Liberty Mutual or go 15 minutes will save you 15%. I mean, should I do that? You should just call me at yeah. Well, and that's, I guess that's a four three four or text. <laughs> um, but the, 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 the conflict of interest <laughs> is real. But let's talk about in all seriousness. So what's going on with these online outfits and what how where are they beneficial and in where, do, where what are some of the gotchas that that I think people should be aware of? Oh, totally. Um, you know, I I have to give them some credit. They're beneficial because they're there when you want to be there. Um, but when things go down. They're not really there. Uh, they're there to help quote and bind that policy quickly, um, but they don't really necessarily take into account what your actual needs are. So you brought up something at the very beginning of the show. You don't know what you don't know, right? And and I want to bring up a personal experience. So I did buy uh, life, or not life, I'm sorry. I bought auto insurance online mm -hmm. and we had windshield repair, right? And I was like, sweet, okay. So I did it and I, you know, paid the deductible or whatever it was and got the windshield fixed. Well, then we switched insurances. And the new insurance online counted that as a claim. And all of a sudden, my insurance went up. And I went, no, I had windshield repair. That shouldn't be a claim. But they didn't have a way to decipher. And I didn't know that. And had I had worked with an insurance agent, I probably would have done things maybe a little different. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, this, this when I talk to all my clients, yeah, I tell them a lot of the same thing. I consider myself an educator and not really a salesperson um, because Questions like that about a claim that might stick to you going forward, how long those things are going to last, how it's going to be treated. Those, if you ever try to try to move carriers or even on your renewal with that existing company, right? you might see something you don't really want to see as an increase in your premium um, or, a, hey, what the heck? I thought we we this wasn't going to be a big deal or I had accident forgiveness or I heard about it on the commercial. You know, those things are, you know, they may be available coverages, but the online system 
is likely not going to go ahead and spit them out as things that are available or tell you about them and explain them in a way that you can figure out if it's something that you actually need or not. Right. And you don't know what you don't know. And that was one of those, like, I learned the hard way. Well, yeah. I mean, I could go save somebody 15% in 15 minutes if I wanted to put them at state minimum limits and put them on the road with nothing but the most basic low, low coverage out there. And this one, uh, public thank you to you who you've done our insurance for years. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people remember on the show or not, but when my youngest daughter was, my, my wife was pregnant with our youngest I daughter. in utero. <laughs> we, she was in a, a significant car accident on the freeway. Not her fault. She was rear-ended, she, and she was almost at a complete stop. Somebody doing 70 miles an hour. We suspect they were looking at their cell phone. We, don't, we can't prove it, but we suspect something Get like that. Plowed into her. This was an out-of-state person with California state minimums on a brand new Lexus SUV. Which, by the way, the, out, the California minimums, less than Oregon. Right. Yeah. And they totaled three cars, and they sent a pregnant woman to the hospital for checkups afterwards. Now, I'm thankful to say everybody except for the car was fine, right? So my wife was fine. We now have a, a you know a thriving five-and-a-half-year-old who's, you know— you, you, no, never she's know. fine. She she's talks fine. a mile a minute. There is nothing she's, wrong so with there her. So <laughs> there was no human collateral damage, which was great for us. But multiple vehicles destroyed, and this person had nowhere near adequate coverage. It was a travesty that they were let on the road in the first place. But fortunately, we had really good coverage and our uninsured motorist coverage or underinsured. Many of you guys may have never even heard of that. Mm-hmm. Underinsured motorist coverage stepped up, made us whole, and also helped represent us in a, in a claim issue because, you know, medical issues that could potentially come up after being slammed into on a freeway at 70 miles an hour. Well, and with, with being pregnant. Right. I mean, there was it's like, you know, Heather had to get through the pregnancy. We had to make sure Lauren was okay. Like we like it's my family. But, you know, I feel like you're my family. These are real things. And and here's the sad thing is you don't have to be a millionaire to get sued like one. And if you don't have the coverage out there to protect yourself and really you are not nobody's perfect and nobody's invincible. And I've seen horrible things happen to people that never thought it would happen to them. And it's not you know, I don't try to sell anybody anything or put it on fear i really come from a position of love that you do this because you love your family and you're looking out for other people um because you know fear is just kind of lame but you've got to be smart you have to look out for what could happen that's not your fault and what someone else could do to you to protect yourself against that so david really quick because i know how long it took how long did it take to get that claim settled do you remember roughly months Ultimately, I, now I will say that our insurance immediately jumped in and made you whole and and took care of the vehicle. There was a little bit of kind of back and forth about the value of the vehicle, but it was relatively minor in the scheme of things. And we were we were well represented. It was the other insurance carrier that was really having to figure out what to do with this person who just, again, egregious uh, under insurance. And then they caused this really significant and some people had serious medical issues i mean there was ambulance on scene kind of event we got to drive away you know i just went down and picked up my wife but there were people that left on stretchers and it was it was a significant issue i call them fly by night companies you know they're they're out there you haven't heard of them uh, well, this wasn't the company. This be. was the person that bought this yeah. car and bought you know they didn't even they still had dealer tags on this thing 
It was that new. And, yeah, you, you know, it was a hybrid. Like I mean, they spent, this was a, you know, eighty, ninety thousand $90,000 vehicle that they put $25,000 of liability coverage on. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Well, I think many people would be surprised at how little, how much, a little bit more of premium can get you so much more in coverage. Oh, my goodness. Right. It's right? not like it's double the premium and, for and double the you, coverage. We talked about bundling earlier. You know, it's like if you have a renter's insurance policy for your apartment and a a car policy with decent limits on it, you might find that the price of the car on its own like that is the same cost. the same cost. Right. Like you almost get the renter's insurance for free. And and for my, you know, I have trouble, real trouble quoting anybody uh, at state minimum limits. I mean, I usually just say no, Uh, this isn't going to work because I know uh, I've had enough experience to know that it's important to me. And if it's someone who doesn't think that this is important to have, that they just know they have to, uh, it's, it's may not be a good fit. You know, well, for me as their agent. My or husband's broke. a realtor, so sometimes there's actually higher required minimums based on your career profession because they know that he's going to spend the majority of the time in his car driving around. Great class five. So I will <laughs> – there you go. That's yes, well, oh, look at that right there. Great like class who, five. Yeah, I mean you can have – on your personal lines vehicle, there's there's certain classes you can have for professionals. Yeah. So. so I'm going to bring up another uh, interesting but not often discussed part of multi-line coverage, something that you're going to struggle to find online. But something that I think is really, really valuable in this age, and you nailed this thing, by the way, when you said you don't have to be a millionaire to get sued like one, right? And there is something that I think many people should look at because it may be appropriate, and that is umbrella liability coverage. Mm-hmm. This is something that attaches to your homeowner's policy. It attaches to your entire household. Right. It goes over the top of your auto insurance, umbrellas over the top of your home insurance. If you have snowmobiles, you have four-wheelers, you have a boat. This is something that's going to give you additional liability coverage on top of those policies in case things really do go bad. Right. And in some cases, you can get it reciprocal to where if somebody does the uninsured motorist, underinsured motorist, and something really bad happens, that umbrella can pay back to your family to make you whole. Right. And here's, this is the part. Now, tell me how, how you think about this one. But if I'm an insurance company and my client that I'm in, insuring with an umbrella policy is being sued for seven figures. Do I put my legal team on that case to see if I can't cut that cost down? I know that our company has pretty darn good attorneys. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm being subtle here, but think about this one. If, if, if you have umbrella coverage, what you also in a certain way have is some indirect legal representation because the insurance company wants to make sure if you're being sued that they're going to look out for their own interest of paying out, which doesn't mean not insuring you. It means going after the legitimacy of the claim in the first place. Right. They're not going to pay more than they have to if it just because you want it. Yeah. I mean, one of the terms out there is called subrogation. Um, if the insurance company, after they've paid you out, and they find that there's fault on the other side, they can go and subrogate and try and get that money back from the actual party that was responsible beyond their policy limits even. You know, these are things to keep in mind when you get a policy. Hey, this was your fault. You wrecked somebody for half a million dollars and you had 25, 50 limits. Uh, that, That person had coverage enough to pay them back, but it doesn't stop the insurance company from subrogating against you for what you would you should be and are responsible for. Right. Um, So the insurance, I think what you're saying, if I'm translating this right, is let's say that you were at fault for something and you're underinsured, then just because your policy limits maxed out doesn't mean that you're done with liability. Yeah, it doesn't mean you're still not responsible for it. So your insurance company may stop, but you personally, 
uh, it may not stop for you. Right. So this is why uh, risk management in a financial plan, we, we talk about these things. Is, uh, and, and, you know, here's the I hope that all of our listeners become really financially successful because I believe in the United States it's still within your reach. Good decisions and good behavior can lead to good results. I think that's still very, very true to this day, regardless of all of the other nonsense and things that will make you mad out there. I just believe that. But what I will tell you is there are a lot of people that the more successful you are, the bigger the bullseye is on you. And so risk management becomes more and more of a necessity because and less of an option. That's, yeah, it's, you know, because not that it was ever really optional, but it becomes just, less of an option. Right. All that hard work over an aw shucks moment. It's just not worth losing at all. You should I protect yourselves. I totally agree. So listen, uh, we got to take our last break today. So I want to do this. When we come back, how do people properly review their own coverages? Let's do that. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And Scott Littlejohn. We got True Wealth a News Radio 1240. KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Well Show, home stretch, and we are talking about the insurance goodies. When we last left our wayward adventurers, we were discussing. Uh, are you writing a novel? Man, he's busting out all the words right now. Wayward adventurers. Oh, it's, a, <laughs> it's a intrepid journey. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's insurance well, river. I feel so, like it's like science theater or whatever it is. Well, mystery science there, there you go. There you go. <laughs> let's get let's get down to. So I want to I want to get down to some. Uh, important brass tacks on the on the insurance stuff. First of all, keep in mind that you buy insurance hoping you don't need it, right? This is all about you're going to spend money, and if you never use it, it was not a wasted investment because it's not an investment. It's risk management. But I will tell you that there are risks out there. They are real and they are lurking, and that's why we have it, right? I mean, if somebody's counting on your income one day and it's not there right life insurance if someone's counting on you yeah just or you. disability coverage right but if you get in an accident and and damage or harm somebody or their stuff liability and property and casualty insurance if there's there's and specialties for businesses and all kinds of different things but you know i have a question so scott Here's here's the thing. You've you've been dealing with this for years and years. How does somebody go about reviewing their insurance to figure out if they've got the right stuff in the first place? We'll I'll give you a couple steps. The first one is you should obviously call me. Uh, okay, <laughs> subtle, I'll, very I'll subtle. That, um, and you can at eight four four three four three four 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 three four thirty four. That's five four one eight four four three four three four. Or you know, shoot me a text. Either one, but. Uh, beyond that step, you've got to get figure out where your policies are to begin with. You know which big you're deal, using, by the way. You know know where they're at. Know what your policy number is. Know where you got that insurance. Especially if you, have, if you don't have one carrier. Yeah, I mean a lot of times it's split up. If you're working with a broker, they've got it split up in a number of different insurance companies. If you're working with an agent, they have it together. Call whoever has it. You know, whoever has that policy, if they have something to go to a number to call to get in touch with them to give you. A review, usually on an annual or a, or a, you know, every couple of years, to look at that policy because things change. The price of your home goes up. 
Um, your, the value of your cars go the down. Value, <laughs> you, you may not want the comp and collision coverage on your cover on your two. Yeah, your car's worth a thousand dollars. You don't need five comprehensive. You know? Maybe you're okay without it now. Um, but these are things that you need to keep in mind because if you're anything like me, you're, I'm a set it and forget it person. I want to make sure I got it right and that it's right. Uh, but you still have to revisit it. Uh, it's not just paying the premiums and letting them pull the money out. Things can change in your life, and that's what matters. The policy may be st- the same, but you may have had a child. Uh, you may have moved apartments and bought a home, and uh, the price of that home is going up, and you want to make sure that you have uh, the right coverages in place as far as how much is being covered or how little is being covered. You may have a car that's insured that you didn't realize was still on the policy. I mean, these things happen. Um, you may want to change beneficiaries for your life insurance policy. Um, it wouldn't be fun if your ex-wife got the life insurance payout that your now current wife ended up getting. Yeah, or maybe you had minor children and now they are older and you want to change the structure. Uh, you know, and because uh, really it's just about y- you have a, if you have a decent agent, hopefully they're looking out to actually give you I was an gonna opportunity ask, I mean, to how, do this. How much of this is sort of on the consumer versus the agent? You know, it's... It's 50-50 if you want to look at it that way, but a good agent's going to make it 100% about their client. And they're going to be the ones reaching out to at least offer to do a review um, every year, at least, to try and check that out and make sure that you're on the same basis. Because the relationship matters. To me, it matters who you work with. People work with my brother, with David, because they have a relationship and they know that, they care, that they're cared about and he's going to put them in their best possible position they can be in. Aw, look that's at how that. I treat my <laughs> clients. I have a very basic business plan. Just stick around and don't be a real jerk. Um, Magic! And learned a few things along the way that have helped me actually be good at the job. And the other part is, you know, you love your clients and they love you back. Um, that's how I treat it. Not every yeah, Not in a creepy way. way. Yeah, and it's yeah. not like that. But, you know, more like in a referral way. <laughs> you know, everybody just wants to, to, you know, what I've found so, is that most people want to be appreciated for what they do and and what their the relationship is, and it grows over the years. And some of my longest standing clients are my favorite ones because we've had grown a real relationship. So I'm going to take it one step further um, on something that you said just a little bit earlier. So a, make sure you know where your policies are. If you don't have like a notebook at treasure home, treasure map, treasure. Uh, David loves to call it the treasure map. If it's digital, I keep all my stuff digital. But make sure your loved ones have shared access to those digital files. So if something happens to you and you're unable to reach it they know where to go find it, right? If it's something that's printed, make sure they know where the notebook is, um, contact information, policy numbers, things like that. Because if you are incapacitated for some reason and in the hospital, you can't be telling people where to go find it. So make sure other people know. And we have smartphones now. You know, a lot of people do with cameras on them, video cameras. You should literally go through and take a quick inventory of your home maybe once a year. Right. Open this the is drawer, a, show what's by the in way, there. It's after help Christmas, you so much on making that list of what you forgot. <laughs> after Christmas is a great time because that's usually when you update your TV and all the other stuff that's in your home. It's going to make your life so much easier in the event of a claim to have a recorded um, uh, inventory. Of a video. Your home you can take a video. Videos. Well, that's, that's what so, I do once a year. Yeah, you literally you get out your cell phone. You walk through, you narrate, you open each drawer, Mm -hmm. you just go through and say, all right, here's the stuff. Let me just kind of quickly open it so you can see what's in there. You can always pause the video to look at it, but if you're trying to substantiate an insurance claim to an adjuster, how are they going to say no if you can pull up the video and say, here was the date I did it, and here's what was there? So the other thing I would do is test your knowledge, right? Like, go ahead and try blindly, go away from your house and sit down and see how many of your own personal items you can physically write down. 
and then figure out what you're missing and then go shoot the video because you'd be amazed at Why how much you're going to forget. $7 million in t-shirts? Just saying. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like CDs. <laughs> well, I mean, no joke. You've got, uh, usually when you have a claim, you have a full year to make your full amount because you're not thinking about your scuba gear in the middle of winter. But when it comes up and you want to use that and you forgot, oh, yeah, that burned up and I had it, maybe that's when you remember it. But by having an inventory and just a little bit of effort and planning ahead can make a headache go away much easier in the long run. Yeah, I I really, I, I echo this sentiment. Now I'm gonna go one step further because I understand something about the insurance industry, this, much like the financial industry, understand that uh, agents and brokers, they don't make tons and tons of money off of insurance policies. It is a pretty high volume industry. Now, that is, does not mean that they don't care about the results. This is the nature of competition in an, an environment where a bunch of companies will try to get you to go online and buy it for cheap because you're the labor, right? And they're gonna also rely on, if there are gotchas, it's because you didn't know what you didn't know. An agent, in my opinion, or a broker has value because they can bring additional knowledge to the table, make sure that they're capable and competent. But I, I really like that model personally, because I, again, I don't think we often know what we don't know. Right. But the other is, it is okay for you to take responsibility over your coverage. If you're waiting for your agent to call you, it doesn't make them a terrible, horrible person if they're not the one calling you every six months and saying, are you time for review, time for review? You can be proactive and still have a great agent. So don't throw them under the bus because you're like, well, they never call me. It's a really challenging business model, so take some ownership. No, I, and I appreciate that. Um, you know, it's being an agent is not the easiest thing in the world. Um, but in the end, when you've got a few thousand policies, it's it's tough to kind of keep track of all of them. Of all the sure moving parts. Yep. Right. That's it. Um, but I do got to get one thing out there while I can. I, just for those of you who missed the health insurance open enrollment this last year, there is a special enrollment period coming up from February 15th to May 15th. If you need to get health insurance still, that's when you can do it. It's a open enrollment. All right. Period. So all right. randomly. Do it so, now. All right, so Scott, how do they reach you if they need help? If you need me, my phone number is 541-844-3434. You can call or text me on that, and I'll do my best to get back to you and take care of whatever it is. That you're Katie, doing. how do they reach us? 541-375-0898. All right, gang. Thanks, as always, for joining us. We're out of time for today, so until next time, this has been David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And Scott Littlejohn. And you've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.